Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Another name enters the ring of who is going to be on the Philadelphia Flyers for the 2021-2022 season. We'll talk about it right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It's episode 81 of the Orange and Back Check Podcast. We are so glad you are here. And as always, across from me is a guy who... I don't know how he feels. I mean... He bitched and moaned last time we did an episode about how there's going to be he doesn't want a back-to-back Stanley Cup champion. And uh, Scott, I got news for you that's probably going to happen again, and Tampa's going to win this thing. Listen, okay, there uh, eleven years ago, I can remember a team that you know lost in overtime in Game One, and then Game Two they lost with about three minutes left. In Game Three, they were blown out their building. And in game four, they were up four to three with about a minute left. Then an old fart named Mark Recchi scored. And then in overtime, facing on the nation, Simone Gagne scores a goal to just spark this team into a, a comeback of epic proportions. It's true. And I'm saying that that is a strong possibility this could happen again. Yeah, I, 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 like I, I, Montreal is 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 one of those teams where they fell flat. They were already down three, one at some earlier in the playoffs and they came back and won. And it's just like, do they have enough in the tank? There's there's, I don't think there's a, like you can argue NBA with some of my NBA friends that watch it religiously. Like you and I watch hockey. Uh, I, I, I would be hard to be uh, convinced. There's a harder thing to win than the Stanley cup playoffs and the Stanley cup. But when you're able to go, under or you go down three one and then you make a comeback and then now you're in the Stanley Cup final and you're facing that again. It's a tall task to say, yeah, we can do this again. But but if there's a team that can do it, it's a team that's led by Carey Price, who didn't look too good in game four, but he got the job done. And that's all that matters when you win in overtime when you're facing elimination. Listen, this series for stretches, Montreal has completely outplayed Tampa. The problem is they just haven't been able to score. Now, this goes to show how important goaltending is because as much as we talk about Carey Price and how much we brought him up on this episode comparing him to Carter Hart, mm-hmm. the other goalie at the other end, Andre Vasilevsky, has proved that he's a premier elite, top-of-the-league goaltending. I mean, it just 
there have been times in the series where the Canadians are just taking it to Tampa. Tampa hasn't been able to get out of their own zone. Yeah. I mean, Montreal is their offense clearly is not as good, but they have a spark plug there with Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Josh Anderson's came to play in the series. Um, th- throughout the playoffs, those guys have stepped up. But Vasilevsky's had an answer for all of them. And it, it's not because they hasn't gotten grade A scoring chances in front of them. No, he's had to make some tough saves. Tampa's defense is a little bit better than Montreal's. Uh, but overall, it's been Vasilevsky's being able to shut the door. The only thing is, though, is that once you put a little nick in that armor, you, you got to wonder, it, it can can Montreal really come back? Do you feel like you've got a little momentum here? They had him on the ropes. And as a team, when you're in overtime, you've got the Stanley Cup on the line and you blow it. You know, I think for another game here, the Montreal Canadiens can come back and, and make this interesting only because this has happened before. You know, the Kings went up on the Devils 3-0 in 2012, and then the Devils stormed back in games four and five and won, and it took game six, a blowout in game six, for the Kings to win it and uh, win the Stanley Cup. Um, that's the most one I, I can recently remember. The last overtime Stanley Cup we saw were the Kings in 2014 and Alec Martinez's rebound goal of Henrik Lundqvist. Mm-hmm. I just think that there's an opportunity here. If any team's going to do it, it's a team like the Montreal Canadiens who have scrapped and earned every win so far. Carey Price also has not lost an elimination game this this postseason. And and do you do you have a little bit of like I believe in karma. I'm one of those guys that if the universe is if you do good, you'll get good. If you do bad, you're going to get bad. Uh, I don't think it's a secret that Tampa Bay is trying to. They fiddled with the numbers here with the cap yeah. space issue. Oh yeah, uh, with Kucherov and keeping them on the LTIR, the long term injury reserve for the regular season, removing in the playoffs where the cap apparently I didn't even know this. The cap doesn't matter in in the playoffs. No. And they're able to now theoretically be, I think it's like 14, 15, maybe even $18 million over the cap. And is it within the rules? Yes. Fine. But it's, it's shady. Like it's as, as, as uh, Scotty Hartnell says, it's shinny hockey. Like, come on, man. Like this is some, some BS that like there, I already was saying that there's an asterisk in the bubble, bubble series or in the bubble yeah. playoffs because of, yeah. of, of the circumstances. There isn't going to be a giant asterisk under, in my book if the Tampa Bay Lightning win this crap and they're $18 million over the cap. Because for a team, like we're a Flyers podcast, we've been dealing with cap issues since the days of Pronger and being put on the LTIR. And I'm just thinking like, why didn't Holmgren, Holmgren why didn't, well, Hextall was able to unload that contract, but like, there had to have been a way where the Flyers could have finagled this exactly the same way, and they couldn't do it. And maybe I'm just jealous, but I, think I hope – I'm certainly hoping, rooting for the Habs here because karma's a bitch, and I'm hoping that the Lightning uh, have it bite in their ass. Listen, I, I agree with you. It's, it's within the rules. The problem is, too, is that you can't fake an injury. Nikita Kucherov has had a lot sure. – had, had, they took the season to get fixed so he could be ready for the playoffs. I think a lot of people are looking at that. I would put an asterisk next to the season two, not because of the cap issue, but because they're playing an Eastern Conference team. If this were the Golden Knights and the Lightning, it would be a much, much different series, if you ask me. Sure. Um, you know, not no disrespect to the Canadians. They've earned every right to be there, but it's just a strange dynamic between it. Overall, look, Tampa's Tampa's been hanging on the ropes here for a long time. Like they're they're legitimate. Like I can look back and look at a team and see what team they remind me of. And not because they have a lot of Russians on the team. It, you know, honestly, you look back at the late 90s um, uh, Detroit Red Wings teams. And, I, you know, yes, we've had teams that have won multiple Stanley Cups like the Kings, like the Blackhawks over the past decade. But when even the Penguins. But when you look at the way they're constructed, they're just built for longevity. They were a team that struggled for a long time to get to this point, And they finally did. 
And it took them a lot of Eastern Conference, a lot, a lot of losing to get up to the point where, oh, now sure. we know how to win. Now they just start tearing out, tearing the roof off. So that that's how they remind me of those late 90s teams that won in 97, 98, and 02. They're very, very similar in that fashion. But listen, it's within the rules. It It sucks. But I actually give Tampa credit because they took their star player, they put him on LTIR, and you have to be legitimate about it. It can't be anything, you know. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. accusing them of faking an injury with Kucherov. Like he was legitimately hurt. He's been struggling using yeah. injuries throughout his career that throughout the season. So it's and, fine. But that, that allowed them to use that cap space to obtain a player to get him to this point. So why not be able to use it? So, I mean, it yeah. sucks that they don't have the cap enforcement in there, and their team technically is 98 million dollars over. But there's nothing saying you can't do it in the playoffs. So kudos to them for kind of finagling the system. Look, there have been teams who tried to cap circumvent for a long time, like the Roberto Luongo contract with uh, the Ilya Kovalchuk contract with uh, with New Jersey that wound up getting voided and they lost the first round pick because it circumvented. Yep. Um, even the Flyers with the Chris Pronger contract really circumvented the contract to really front load that thing and then back it off before now. Nowadays with the CBA, you can't take 50% of the salary that you start with and it can't be less than 50% after uh, lower than that. So it, it's, that's, that's a key thing, key trade off there, but Hey, look, give them credit. But I, at the end of the day, I, I want to see more hockey and I really want to see something exciting where if they come back and win game five tonight, Montreal on the road. Like that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, As recording I, this, they haven't won awarded the cup yet, but I'm like, listen, it was one shot away from being awarded the other night. Now you got to play another 60 minutes. That's got to weigh on Tampa a lot more than people think. Yeah. It, they always say that the toughest game to win is the closeout game. You, whether yeah. you're closing out the series or closing out, like whatever the case may be, whether you're closing out the first round or the last round, it's the toughest thing to do. And it's just like, yeah, I, I see this thing easily going back six or seven as we originally thought that that this thing was going to be like yeah tampa bay started off hot they were able to get the lucky bounces but uh, to your point about the ebbs and flows of the series there's also the ebbs and flows of just how the league is built we saw this with boston we saw this with the capitals hopefully we saw it for a, a, a brief period now we're trying to get back there with the flyers uh of not just not being um perennial Stanley Cup final or Eastern Conference or whatever Western Conference final appearances, but your your playoff teams, your ebbs and flows, where the way the NHL is built is you're the top tier for three, four, five, if you're really well-structured, and that's what Tampa Bay's in, and good on them. I mean, they won the President's Trophy a couple of years ago and fell flat and got swept in the first round, came back with a vengeance and, and won the Cup. So yeah. you, you know how they're built, and it's interesting to see how they're going to di- be a dynamic team uh, over the next couple of years because they're obviously not going to be able to hold on to this team because of the cap space issues, because they are, we know they're in cap space issues because it's coming when the 2021 season starts. And to the point where you're, I want more hockey, but I'm also, I don't know. I, I, I we're jonesing for no pun intended. We're jonesing for something to happen. You know, like that was you really had to, use I didn't mean I, no pun yeah, intended. That's no that was intended. such a dad joke. It was, and I'm not even a dad, but like, I'm just, I need the flyers to do something. And it's so painfully obvious that like you and I, we, we conglomerate of what we're going to talk about, what we, how we want to structure the episodes uh, for each, every, every other week when the off season, but it's just, it's painful when you're just waiting for a disappointing team to do a move to make them better. And I think that's what, Everyone is, especially because it's Chuck Fletcher's first real off season. Well, I guess it's his second, but like, it's just one of those things where 
yes, I want more hockey. I want Montreal to win the cup. But at the same time, as soon as this thing's over, 24 hours later, the buyout period begins. And you got to figure out what the Flyers are going to make a move there. So I'm ready for this season to end. But at the same time, I'm not, if that makes it any sense at all. I think it's just one of those things where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Well, again, it all comes down to again that you now that you have Hack Dave Hackstall as the coach of the Seattle Kraken. Um, you yeah, gotta wonder that. that that might play a dynamic into how the Flyers have to approach this offseason. I mean, seriously, the, the the people that have been talked about and the, the names that have been brought up the most have been Shane Gostaspear, uh, JBR, and Voracek. You know, you have to look at this and say, okay, from a from a familiarity perspective. They're, they, Dave Haxtell knows the roster and there's a good amount of players on the roster and those three are probably going to be unprotected. So at the end of the day, you, you, you got to make a move here, but it's probably not going to happen until after, after the expansion track. I, I know yep. Seth Jones is being talked about a lot. There's some rumors out there. They're talking about Farabee. It's a non-starter. If you ask me, Morgan Frost, is the second guy in line. I look, I'm, Morgan Frost could have a lot of potential in this league, but you're also talking about a defenseman. But the key is, too, is that if anything's going to happen with Seth Jones, it's got to be a sign-and-trade. Now, the ability with a sign-and-trade is that they'll be able to sign into an eight-year deal. Actually, yes, with his team, team, so eight-year deal rather than a seven-year deal with the Flyers. You're going to get a guy who is 27 years old. You'll have him to his 35. I'm willing to bet on that because you need to solidify your defense. So – it, if you can find a way, if you have to give up a little scoring, a little bit of potential in Morgan Frost, yeah. But you're not doing that with Joel Farabee considering his sophomore season. Usually guys take a step back in their sophomore year. Joel Farabee took a step up. Which yeah, is, well, he was one of our praise. He was one of our praisees. Like he put on, yeah. I think he, we, we talked about him early on in the, in the regular, in the preseason, excuse me, about how he put on some muscle. He put on some weight to that, to that frame of his. And it really like shaped him up. Like you saw the difference in his, in his skating, in, in his physicality and just how he was playing the four check. Now, unfortunately he was the, he's that classic guy that in his sophomore year, maybe in his year five and six, he'll be a little bit different. But when you're in your sophomore year, you don't or aren't expected to be the top two, top three scorer on your team, and that's what he was. So yeah. that that's the problem with the Flyers because nobody else scored. Hayes had a rollback year. Uh, Giroux had a rollback. Everyone basically had a rollback year besides Joel Farabee, and it's just one of those things where I, I, I tend to differ in that he's a non-starter strictly because, yes, as I just said, he stepped up, but – I don't think the Flyers are in any position where they can say X forward or X defenseman is a non-starter. Is Carter Hart a non-starter? No, for the most part, he's a non-starter. But, or yes, he's a non-starter, excuse me. But for the right price, I think you'll listen to anything at this point. Like Because if, if, if someone comes to you and says, hey, we'll give you three first round picks and this is just being hyperbolic and, and going over the top. But if they say, Hey, we'll give you three first round picks for Carter Hart. I think you you have to at least contemplate it because it's not going to happen. But if it does, it's one of those things where we need to replenish our, 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 our farm system to a certain extent. You don't want to get too hypothetical with something along those lines. I mean, let's, let's think of it realistically. Okay. 2000, I think it was, was either 2000 or, yeah, I think it was the year 2000. The year Ray Bork was traded. Mm-hmm. Now, for you younger listeners who probably don't know who Ray Bork is, I'm not going to explain it. But anyway, Ray Bork. <laughs> look it up, Wikipedia. Yeah, look it up, yeah. 
uh, Ray Bork was, he was in the latter part of his career, wanted to go somewhere to win a Stanley Cup. The uh, starting asking price, I forgot, it was like 30s, late, late, real late 30s at the he time. He had to have been at least 37 at that point. Yeah, he had to be. He was, he was up there in his years. I know that. Now, I think he, I think he played till he was about 30. It doesn't matter. But anyway, the starting price that Harry Sinden won at that time, the GM of the Boston Bruins, was Simone Gagne. Now, can mm-hmm. you imagine trading a young 21, 22-year-old Simone Gagne for a defenseman like Ray Bork if you think it's going to get you over the top? Well, obviously, Bob Clark said no to that deal. Sure. And Simone Gagne became one of the most popular flyers of all time, one of the better scorers of all time as well. In the sure, Flyers but the, the argument would have been if he had said yes and they won a cup, doesn't matter what Simone, Simone Gagne's yeah, career they, is. They, they, do you really think those teams would have won a cup of Ray Bork? I don't think he was that much of a difference to give well, up. Well, I think that's ultimately why. I, I think that is certainly ultimately why Bobby Clark said no. I don't think the team was at all ready for it because he went Bingo. to Colorado. Was it? Yes, Col- Colorado won yeah. a cup in 01 and retired right after that. Yep, I, re- I remember because my dad actually, it was the first time, not the first time I saw my dad shed a tear, but he followed Ray Bork. For some reason, for some reason, I have this memory of him shedding a tear for Ray Bork finally winning a cup. But anyway, I remember where I was when it happened. We used to go to a campground as a kid and I was a kid and I was watching that in 01 and I was like a fuzzy TV on Channel 6. Then I was like the only place they had it was like the general store. And Mm -hmm. they were it was it was like a minute left. With like they they were like okay we got it we got to close the store I'm like there's a minute left in the final I'm like yeah too bad we got to close the store I didn't get a chance to watch I remember watching it on this fuzzy TV and just seeing them up three one and knew it was going to happen and that part sucked but like yeah I looking back you know you it's one of those things where you you know when a player is worth something yeah. and I think that Joel Farabee would be that now you we always talk about prospects there are some prospects that are sure things. Morgan Frost, he had some injuries just last year. I don't know if he's so much of a sure thing. He's got flashes of it. But then it, you you make the question, do you have enough room on your wing to be able to – because he can also play center. He could play center or the wing. Do you need a center like him? You have Scott Lawton locked up. You have Kevin Hayes locked up. You have Sean Couturier, who you're going to have to re-sign after the season. So you're really stuffed on the middle. You're not going to put him on the fourth line to give him minutes. Is he expendable in the, in the, in the fact that, okay, well – do you are you going to be able to make a deal? Say that they go and trade, they get uh Vorchek or even JVR claimed in the expansion draft. Then you all of a sudden have a major hole in your roster where you can't afford to give up a guy like Morgan Frost. So that's why I think that you won't see much happening till then. But even so, like Farabee is a guy who's established himself so far in two seasons here. You you can't even if it, you're talking about a defenseman like Seth Jones, I'd give him up for a defenseman that was more of a game changer. Right off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody, but while Seth Jones will solidify, he's not going to be a guy you build your franchise around. So you don't give up a guy like Farabee who could be your next big star because you have to start preparing for Claude Giroux not to be here after next season. I'm warning yeah. you now. I'm warning everybody now. Do not be surprised if Claude Giroux is not here after next season. It's it's crazy to say that, but it, it's time. It might be yeah. time for him to be like, it's- hey, you know what? We might not have a chance to win a cup here. We're gonna, I'm going to move on. Seth Jones is not a guy you trade a, a, a trade scoring or like, I'm sorry, you don't trade a Morgan Frost to get Seth Jones if you're trying to prepare for that, or especially a Joel Farabee. So that's where it comes into play. You're not going to give up Konechny. I think the people are too high on him. But so what the question comes down to is that what do you give up? Because it's not just a starting piece of Farabee or Frost. You're also going to have to give up a defenseman. So which one are you giving up, Sam Heim or Myers? Which yeah. one? 
And it yeah. also adds another hole. So there's a lot that goes into this because it's not like they can say, oh, we're going to trade you three years worth of first round draft picks to Columbus because they need someone on their blue line to help them out now, plus the added value. So you're talking a player plus a pick plus plus probably a prospect. So you're, you're, you're looking at that right now. There's a lot that goes into it and in, in, in how it's going to turn out. Would it be worth it? Well, it depends. If you if you wind up losing Morgan Frost, you have to make sure that less pucks are going in the net. So Carter Hart's got to be on his game. You got to sign a reliable backup goaltender because with all due respect, I don't think Elliott's going to be coming back at this point. And you got to figure out what you're doing your back end and build your way back to front like teams like to do. But mm-hmm. you also can't think of the fact that you're going to miss some scoring up front, possibly if Giroux leaves, that they claim JVR, your top scorer this year, Voracek. You have to prepare for all of that. So we can speculate all we want, and it's a great fit. If they do get Seth Jones, you'd be a good partner for Ivan Provorov. But there's a lot of other factors that have to happen to figure out, okay, what kind of team are you going into coming out with after the expansion draft? Yeah, and and as we've said time and time again, the expansion draft is number one priority right now because you just got to figure out what who you're protecting and what that – because you have to submit your list, I think – I think they have to submit it soon after the cup final ends, but I, but either way, whether the, whatever the date is, that's what it's going to come down to first for Chuck Fletcher. And based on who is taken, whether, as you said, it's JVR on the off chance, it's Voracek on the off chance, it's Shane Gossa spare someone like that. Like this could easily just say, they always say where there's smoke, there's fire. And there certainly has been a lot of smoke surrounding the flyers by reporters and Seth Jones. But in my experience, like I, I, I think a lot of Philly people get smoke blown up their butts about these kind of things. Uh, like of, of in terms of we're trying, cause they know Philadelphia will react. We're reacting right yeah. now. We're falling right into its trap. Right. So it's based on, is it possible that they're trading for Seth Jones? Sure. But at the end of it, let's say he goes to, I don't know, Boston. I don't know, like if, if Boston makes a move because they're looking for a guy, Washington to make a move to add to their piece because they're contending. Chicago, they've got the cap space. Chicago is certainly Duncan Keith. Yep. So it, like though at the end of it and they're just like, well, Philly was in it and then they decided to back off. Like I see that also happening. And depending on what happens with this expansion draft, it could also change it. Chuck Fletcher might say we don't have the pieces anymore to be able to get rid of this, to trade up for this guy and decide. Maybe we can sign a Matias Ekholm. Maybe we can sign a Dougie Hamilton. I think the free agent route at the end of the, not at the end of August, in the middle of August is the more likely thing that we're talking about in terms of replacing, because we're talking about a guy that we need a true number two for Ivan Provorov. And that's true. Is it worth the risk at the end of this to say, get a player that is almost to the T exactly like Ivan Provorov, a a, a a near number one, a, a arguable number one. They both have their de- flaws. They eat a ton of minutes and they're just, they're defensemen, defensemen. Like that's, do you want to pair that up with Ivan Provorov? I tend to say yes, but if the cost isn't there, I go the free agent route is what I'm getting 100%, 100% at. 100% you know? agree with you. 100% agree with that. I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing. It's just a matter of how you make the money work. Where do you got to sure. move around? Yeah. Maybe you can do something where, look. Now, to be fair, right now they have $13 million in cap space, according to Cap Friendly, the Flyers. Like, that's a lot of coin that they can. 
but you think you don't think of just this season. Think of Couturier. Think of Giroux. Yeah. Think of those contracts. Are you losing JVR? Are you losing? Are you losing Voracek? Like you think of those concepts. It, it's not just this season. It's next season as well. You're setting yourself up here for a move that's going to set you up, especially if you have a sign and trade with a guy like Seth Jones, because you're not you're not trading him on a one year deal. That's absolutely not. No, anybody absolutely. does that, they're insane. And God bless Yarmo Kakalain if he's able to pull that off. If if they do make a move. You know, you, there could be even something here where you kind of work with Vegas a little bit. See if Vegas picks somebody up. Then you flip somebody to Vegas and pick up a player that they that they drafted. Or that they drafted. You could kind of work around. Seattle? I don't know the inside of the yeah, yeah, the Kraken. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. not Vegas. It's Seattle. Um, you maybe there's something you could do with that. I don't know the ins and outs. Some spitball on the top of my head. There's. Probably I think it's going to be similar to what we saw a couple years ago with Vegas. Yeah, they're going to you're going to trade them first round picks not to take players, which exactly. is exactly move they did oh it's Ron amazing. Francis also knows how to build a roster too a lot of what you see is what he built down in uh down in what's it called um and in, in Carolina a lot of those young guys down there so sure the end of the day you you look at this and say okay there's things that are that are wheeling in and there, there's talks that are happening Chuck Fletcher is a C is a guy who's going to be making a whole bunch of wheels and deals to tinker with the roster he's going to add a couple pieces there make a couple pieces on his chessboard and and really set up to see what happens for next season when he's got bigger bigger fish to fry uh, because you got to lock up Sean Couturier and I know that's a question mark uh, you get you know Claude Giroux you're going to try to lock him up and then you got to figure out if you lose either seven million dollars or nine million dollars off your cap of one of the two big players you know if you lose J- lose uh, Shane Gossespier and that's great. You cleared up the cap space, but you still didn't get any value for him. But right. still, you're taking up cap space. So, yeah, you know, you could do something where, hey, you you want Voracek? We'll throw your first round pick to get take Jake Voracek. Yeah, you majorly lose on those points. That's a major fill hole to fill in the roster. But then it builds you up to be able to make more moves because you have more money to play with. So be on a backdoor deal like that. I'd be surprised if you're going to give up a goal scorer, like a point scorer, like as much as we knock Jake. He's at the top of the point scoring list each season. So you have to replace those points. So at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of that stuff that are trying to figure out different situations about how it's going to play out. Um, but we won't really know anything and how this team's going to approach the offseason until the expansion draft happens on July 18th. So yep. um, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, right around July 18th. So um, what was it? The, the actual expansion date was July 21st. Excuse me. They get early UFA on that early access to UFAs on the 18th. So, See that's interesting. That that's that that means they're going to talk to the guys like Dougie Hamilton if he doesn't, re- which I don't think he will at this point. It seems is if he doesn't re up with Carolina, that's the first guy I'm calling. We've talked about him a few times on the pod about how Dougie Hamilton could be a a a nice addition to this team, and like it would probably cost you a decent, pretty penny. But with the cap space you have and the book, the potential of Claude Giroux coming off the books which is as you like, I've been mentally preparing myself since the disappointment of this season after the month of March or April of this year, I was like, they're going to move on from Claude. If this thing doesn't improve by the end of 2022, they might internally set a standard of ECF or bust, or we're not, we're moving on from Claude. Like, I think that could be a realistic standard that they set themselves depending on what happens here uh, in free agency and the, the expansion draft and whatever may, how, Really, also to how Claude plays, he didn't have that great of a season. Like to his standard, he had an average season. Is how I would. Older, yeah, thirty-four years old. Like it's not young anymore. He's not the Claude Giroux from twenty twelve when he checked Sidney Crosby and had the shift. And I mean, that's ten. That's ten years ago. That's a decade ago. And you're looking back, and I remember in the preseason this season, 
uh, or uh, well, it is this season technically because the Capitals haven't won the cup, but like, or excuse me, the Lightning haven't won the cup yet. But like, Sam Karshidi got a bunch of crap from Twitter people because he was asking Claude what his plans are for the future, and and rightfully so. Claude got pissed at him, and it's fine. But like, these are legitimate questions. It like, is a it, legitimate question. You're a free agent next like, season. Like, I'm fine with Claude getting pissed, but I'm I, I'm not. I'm weirded when when Twitter fingers go all nuts and say, Sam, why are you asking these questions? And it's like, dude, he's on a, a one year deal. Question. It's over. It's almost right. over. Like yeah. we're going to have we're, we're, Sean Couturier, the part of the deal for the I mean, it's so minuscule at this point, but like they're going to sign Sean Couturier next season. Whatever boat mo- load of money he wants, they're you going hope. to sign Sean Couturier. You hope, you hope, you hope. I, I think they yeah, will. Hope. I think it's going to. I don't you're going to have a choice, but you hope. You don't have a choice. They're also going to give him the captaincy. If they don't have Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier is, is the guy that he's going to get the captaincy. Maybe Ivan Provorov, if he continues to, if he goes back on the uptick, but we're getting more in the past. Before we wrap, I, wanna, I wanted to ESPN announced their uh, lineup. And there's a big name yeah. missing. I want to talk about who's on the list so far. And I think it's uh, my list is not here. Oh, here it is. I think this is one of the really insightful lists that I've seen. I mean, just alone, former players, Mark Messier, uh, Chris Chelios stick out to me right there. Yep. There's only one concern. The play by play. I think the play by play lead is Sean McDonough. Yes, And if you recognize Sean McDonough's name, he was one of the many, many failed Monday Night Football guys in the recent years. Any concern of Sean McDonough being the head honcho? No, no, no okay. not at all. No, 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 no. Look, I, there, everybody was complaining about Gary Thorne. There, ESPN is still talking to Gary Thorne. There's yeah. also a possibility that Gary Thorne could do uh, things on TNT. From what I gather, from what I got, it, it, he doesn't want a full time gig. He just wants to do special things, which I'm totally cool with. If they, Gary Thorne comes back and does the playoffs, you got me, ESPN. I'll watch every single game he does. I think, though, that they're trying to reimage themselves. They're not trying to be the ESPN hockey night of 2000 and, and, and the late 90s. They're, they're really trying to bring this in the 21st century, do something different. I think their analysts are really good. The fact that Bush is there is great. John Butcher Gross is a great hockey guy. I'm, He's the guy I'm I was get, hoping we were number one. I'm going to get killed for saying this. Killed. I am so thrilled Steve Levy is back doing hockey again. I absolutely love Steve Levy doing hockey. Yeah, I'm indifferent about Steve Levy. Like, I think he's good, but it's one of those guys where, like, okay, cool. Or hated him eh. when I was a kid. I'm not going to lie. When I was, yeah. I'm not saying hated, but I didn't like him when I was a kid. But I was a big Gary Thorne fan. Like, like I have no problem with Sean McDonough doing this because it's – it's not the same as football. Football is very slow paced. Like, think about it. You listen to Merle Reese. He describes the play. He throws the ball. He gets upset if it's picked off or incomplete. And then Mike Quick rambles on for a minute. And then it's back to that. <laughs> so it's, it's very, very paced. Hockey is go, 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 go. So, sure. like, for instance, like, if you're doing it at, with all due respect, to Kenny Albert's pace doing hockey, then, oh, and the corner. They you know, out. Kenny has done a pretty damn good job. He these finals. He has. He has. I'm not knocking Kenny Albert. I'm talking about the pacing of it. Yeah. Like you got to keep going, 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 going and keep people mm-hmm. in and keep that energy up. So, you know, I think there's, there's too many pauses by some of these guys here. Like, like there's by the guys who like do football. If you're going from a fast sport and you're slowing down, 
You can't work on that pacing. Kenny Albert works because he can do every single sport. He's done baseball. He's done football. He's done, uh, he's done, what's it called? He's done hockey. So he's very consistent in how he talks in all of them. But if you're a, originally a hockey guy and Sean McDonough has done some hockey in the past, he's actually been pretty good with it. Steve Levy, you know, a little different on, on Monday Night Football, but does hockey really, really well. So uh, I'm actually interested to hear John Butchergross do it because I don't think I've ever heard John Butchergross do play-by-play. So you should look I, up. I'm, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Like he, he obviously does the the Frozen Four coverage. Like he's their staple. Got one of their staple guys for that coverage uh, mm-hmm. with the college. Um, I think he's very good. I think I think the problem is he can be herky jerky. What you were talking about with the pause, not just the pauses, but all of a sudden he'll. But he, he, the way I can describe it as. He'll be following a play in the boards and the puck will move too fast for his eyes. And he'll be like, oh, crap, the guy scored. And he'll get excited because the guy (laughs) scored. And that's fine at the college level. Pro hockey, NHL is obviously much, much faster. So it can be a little bit more shaky. Uh, I'm curious how that's going to turn out. I'm excited, though. I'm excited to see. I know I know for a fact that Turner Sports TNT, I know at least. um Keith Jones, former player, former Flyers in that team. Uh, and that's who I'm really more excited for. No disrespect to ESPN. I think I think it's always interesting when it's a true, fresh uh, idea of imaging in terms yeah. of how they're going to market NHL. And I think Turner Sports is like you see the success of NBA Countdown and, and or NBA Tonight, the team with the Sha- with Shaq and, and Kenny and, and all that, and that crew and Charles. So... That's who I'm most excited for to see how TNT shapes their their coverage yeah. of the NHL. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing there. No, Linda Cohen, I think, is great. Obviously, Bouchardross. Oh, I was just going to bring that up. The female ensemble they have on yeah. this on this is is beyond excellent. Look, Linda Cohen's been a staple at ESPN for years. Is a very good host. Cassie Campbell Pascal, she she's another good analyst. Leah Hextall did that five overtime game with North Dakota in the Frozen Four, and she killed it. And yeah. probably one of the most underrated reporters in hockey is Emily Kaplan. And I, I think that's actually our yeah, she, I, that's actually who I starred like Emily Kaplan because she did a lot of coverage for the athletic, I believe. Correct. With Carolina exactly. and covers the game. Well, I think she's we, well, let's try and get her on. I think she'd be a lot of fun to try and get on the show Absolutely. on the pot. I think she would be cool. Um, I, I'm excited. Blake Bolden, I, I don't know much about, but she's yeah. like, like th- this Hillary Knight, Hillary, Hillary Knight, Knight, former my, US my favorite team. female hockey player. I love yeah. Hillary Knight. She's the yep. best. Yep. So, I mean, yep. and, and then, then of course, former flyer, Bron- Brian Boucher. I mean, Boucher is incredible on ESPN. I'm sure he's, well, I guess it might be Pierre Lebron, uh, in between the glass tonight, but Hey, look, Whoever I, I, it may be. Pierre is probably going to wind up on TNT, which is good for Pierre. I mean, look, a lot of people knock Pierre because he talks so much. He's like, if you're familiar with Chris Wheeler, he's the Chris Wheeler of the NHL. That's so, a good comparison. Uh, it's yeah. very good. Exactly. He just knows every little detail about the guy, and, and which is great. But, you know, it, it doesn't work at a national level sometimes. I think that's why he gets the knock on him. But Bush has probably been the in, best in between the glass guy because I love it. You know, just personally, because I try to play goaltender, the fact that he is, was a professional <laughs> goaltender and the fact he knows what shots need to be stopped and what's not. And I love how Eddie Olchuk, if you ever listen to the game, the sure. yep. Eddie Olchuk will say, hey, what, should he, what happened on that one? And then Boosh will explain it from a goaltender's point of view. That is beyond fantastic saying like hey you should have had that one or or it changes direction and it kind of knuckles and it just it kind of gets past you and you you don't really say like he really goes into detail about 
how something coming at you at 80 miles an hour, you can break that and literally explain it over people over a period of period of 30 seconds. Cause it's exactly how it works out. I, I love it. Especially when, you know, I, I think it's going to be fantastic with him between the glass and, and, and him and probably a color analyst. If anything, I think that would be uh, wonderful to see Bush up there explaining things from that perspective as well. Yep. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that's going to do it for episode 81. Uh, let's go enjoy game five. Or game five, right? Here we add here. Game five, yeah. Game five. It's game five. Game five is going on right now as we speak. So uh, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning, or I'm happy for you, Montreal Canadians, to extend this thing to game six, depending on what happens here, because obviously we have no idea uh what the hell's going on all we know down going down in tampa right now is they have a hurricane going on so yeah it's kind of past it's the by the way did your well no you're you have two young kids so elsa is not a uh staple because when you hear oh no 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 did they elsa yeah I, I'm not. I'm not a huge Frozen fan. I don't. I don't understand it. I never. Yeah, no, I don't understand it either. My I'm wife a, is obsessed. A, more of a rat. Uh, what's called a Cars fan. And my favorite really? of all time. I like Cars. And also my favorite one, Wreck It Ralph. There is no Disney movie better Wreck-It than Wreck It Ralph. Ralph Moana yeah. is better than all, both. Moana's great, but my favorite's Wreck It Ralph. It's just it's a video game. The guy's a yeah, video that's true. game. Yeah, I don't How know. Awesome I, I, is that? It is awesome, but I I, I didn't get into it. By, by the way, speak. If we're Soul, gonna be up. Soul is another great one. Soul, Soul was good. That Soul was and Coco are one. outstanding. Coco was good. Soul was very adult for a Pixar movie. I know. Not to get, why not so to get on a Pixar rant here, but you know, who cares? We're a podcast that talks about the Flyers, and the Flyers haven't been playing for three months. So they need a Jerry. Yeah, <laughs> they need a Jerry. The Flyers need a Jerry. That's what they need. They it's need a so Jerry. True. In their front office. It's so true. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? We got to talk about Loki. I don't think you and I have not talked about Loki. I've not watched it. No. You're not a Marvel guy. You're a Star Wars guy. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I try and I try. My, my wife is trying to get me to watch like all of them and like the chronological order of how they work. And I just, I can't. I can't. I'm the type of person where I'd rather go watch like all the dark nights all over again, which I've mm. already done this year. Um, you know, or like, well, that's like also watching, easy because it's three films. Yeah. I don't or the Terminator series and how ridiculous yeah. they get towards the end of them. Like I, those are like, I tried to do that and I, I just, I can't, I can't get into it. Just, it's not my cup of tea. It never was. You know, I will say uh, of, 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 of all the bad Terminator movies that have happened since judgment day, uh, the Christian, I think it's the Christian Bale one, right? Christian Bale is in it. Yeah. Not bad. That Sam, one is well, actually with Sam Rockwell. And that's yes. Rockwell. Yeah, yeah, Sam. Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington. Yeah, thank you. That's yes, Sam Rockwell. Um, that yeah, would, Sam actually, Worthington. Sam Rockwell should be in a Terminator movie. He would be perfect. He would be pretty good, John Connor. Yeah. So, so yeah, that one was really good. The, the other Amelia one, Clark Genesis. one. Yeah, Genesis. Oh, that was so trash. The Amelia Clark one. No. Oh, awful. terrible. Totally terrible. Awful. Terrible. Well. And then the last one, like the one with um, I forget what it was the one with um. Uh, with Arnold in it again. With, yeah, the 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 yeah. I know you're not, but Arnold was back, and well, he's been yeah. back for that a few of was, these. It, they did it right, but it just wasn't a fit. It got too out of control. It just it's too out of control. Yeah. The concept, if you go back and and Jen, not going around here before we wrap up, like James Cameron, it really that Terminator Two is a message of like humanity, like yeah. how people yeah. can turn into machines and he, that Terminator learns what humans are like and understands at the end, he needs to sacrifice himself to, um, 
to what's it called to save the human race at the genius concept. And I'll tell you what, this we're saying is since you want to talk about the little messages inside of movies, I'll tell you what, the best movie message of all is the big Lebowski. <laughs> wait, because wait. The, the, like the, out of all the movies I've ever seen, that movie has such a simple premise. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's true. What's the premise? Then tell me, what's the premise of it? I, I mean, he just wanted his carp, his rug. Thank you. Yes. The man just wanted his rug. That's all it is. That whole movie is about a man who had his rug peed on. That's it. That's it. That's all it was. He just wanted a rug. How Jeff Bridges was that? perfect. Jeff Bridges was perfect. How can like, you- seriously, that movie is literally all about that whole movie happens because a man just really liked his rug. That's well, it. also that you got to follow. Beautiful. Also, you're forgetting that you got to follow the rules of bowling. Otherwise, you piss off John Goodman. Well, yeah, absolutely. Over the line. He pulls out a gun in the middle of that. I mean, that's hilarious. But again, you don't see that if the man doesn't have his carpet stone. Because right before that, they're yeah, talking about the, the, the carpet. Would he have the, finished his what coffee? The, what the certain man did to his carpet. Would he have left the diner or finished his coffee? If... Uh, forget about the toe, all right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm glad we had this random movie talk for the last five minutes. That was a great, that's a great way. Well, that's to how this all season's going because the Flyers yeah. aren't doing a goddamn Listen, thing. The Flyers need to do something. Movies. I've become an F1 guy. I, I, my wife is like, when did you get into car racing? I'm watching F1 every weekend. I'm watching the qualifying. I'm watching the freaking practices. I need something. Max Verstappen is, is a great driver, though. Good oh, Verstappen is my favorite. I love Verstappen. Yeah. He's that's won the last name. two races Verstappen. in Austria. Anyway. Seriously. All right. Anyway, listen to this. They'll be proud. My, yeah. My, my father-in-law got into cricket. He watches cricket overseas. There, I, I bought Xbox Game Pass. I was debating downloading the cricket game. I was like, why not? But I haven't because I haven't gotten that desperate. We'll we'll see what happens by the time we record our next episode in a week and a half or whatever. Get we decide. an F1 racing game. There you go. I already had it. Don't worry about that. I got that oh, on Xbox God. Game Pass. Need for Speed Heat. You need that. That game okay. is awesome. I'll, 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 I'll see if that's on Game Pass. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Again, either congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. You're the Stanley Cup winners for the 2020-2021 season. Or great job, Montreal. You extended the season another day. And uh, we'll we'll, uh, talk to you guys next week. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. If you have a trade proposition of what you would be willing to give up for Seth Jones or how much your contract would be for Dougie Hamilton, who knows? We'll talk to you next time. I'm not Lebowski. I'm the dude.